This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Everything Tom and myself have been up to Thursday, February the 16th, which has been largely about paying the rent. CBRE came out with a report suggesting that rents on average in Dubai rose by 28.5% in 2022, and that kicked off quite the conversation. So we had the man who'd put the numbers together, Tama Khan, their head of research, in the studio to talk us through them. We also had a look at what the listings were showing us with Sarah Hewardine from Hauser. Got a little bit of legal advice as to what you can do if you think your landlord is playing a little bit fast and loose when it comes to rent rises or indeed eviction notices. That was with Rita Ayub of BSA Law. And we spoke to a man with a van. Rick McIntyre is the founder and the owner of MacPack Removals. He says that he is busier than ever for this time of year. And because he's chatty, he's been speaking to the people he's been moving from A to B about why they are doing so. Very interesting indeed. All of that, plus we were, of course, looking at the last day of the World Government Summit here in Dubai. But is it still your house? Can you afford it to be? That is the question this morning. A new report from CBRE saying that rents in Dubai grew by 28.5% on average last year. It's a record rate of growth. And we're very pleased to have in the studio the man who put those numbers together. Tamar Khan is head of research for this region at CBRE. Tamar, it's lovely to see you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Brandy. So an almost 29% growth in apartment rents, 26% in villa rents. Break down for me what's driving them up. Um, I think it's a variety. We're seeing some very high uh, rental increases in your core uh, communities, the likes of downtown, Palm, uh, and Marina, and Business Bay. Those those numbers are really driving the headline number up uh, at at the moment. Within those markets, you know, you can see anything up to 40, 45% increases year on year. We're no longer really coming from a low base, so rents are genuinely quite high. Whereas, you know, if we were a, a year earlier, would be yes, we're coming from a low base. So look, rents are increasing, but demand's effectively outpacing supply at the moment, and that's that's where we are. Which is the story, isn't it? Tell me what this rental increase tells us about what's happening in Dubai itself. Last year, we had around 540,000 Ajari registrations just uh, for the year. Just to put that into context, in in about in 2019, that number was around 390,000. So, look, we've seen and we, we can we can see that from a number of different indicators across the city, whether it's employment, whether it's how busy the roads are. There are a lot more people here than there were previously. And, you know, there's a lot of supply in the pipeline, but that materialization of supply has been a lot slower lower than expected. So effectively, we've seen more demand than uh, than stock coming in. And within those core communities, that's there's only so much stock which is left there now. So actually, occupancy levels are getting pretty high. How much of this is also a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy? Landlords see the rents in their neighbourhood go up. Um, they, one way or another, make sure that their property uh, is vacant. Um, and because everyone is then 
with an eviction notice on the market at the same time looking for a new property, that's going to drive rates up further, isn't it? We've, I think we've certainly seen that sort of uh, that, uh, you know, increase and that uh, um, very optimistic uh, asks in, in terms of rents in some cases. And over the last year, I think that's definitely been the case. The good news is we are seeing that slow down. Uh, landlords are becoming a bit more realistic. So in certain communities that we track, the, the, the percentage, the proportion of uh, rents which are actually starting to go down, the listing price is going down, that's actually increasing slowly. I think we're hitting the top in certain markets for sure. Talk to me about that a little bit more. What are you watching when it comes to, to trying to figure out if we are reaching peak rent? So we, we one of the key indicators which is worthwhile looking at is to see, uh, we know when listings go on and we know if they have been increased or decreased. And it's still a small proportion, but we're starting to see, you know, a few percentage point increases in the number of listings which have been decreased. But we also have uh, great access to Ajari data now. So we know what the difference is between uh, how much people uh, you know the, the listing price and how much people actually end up paying. So that negotiation gap is actually coming down a lot more. Um, and, but people are staying put now as well. And I think that's the uh, important thing where landlords are putting out very optimistic prices and actually people are saying, well, I'm not going to pay that, I'd rather pay an increase, which uh, absolutely warranted in, in most cases, uh, and I'll, st- I'll stay there. And then they are struggling with that sort of demand for their units, which they put up onto the market. It's when people move, isn't it, or when new residents come in and become new tenants that we can see the big spikes. I mean, we've got a very good question from Clint here stating the obvious. He said, how can rents possibly be rising at by 28% if there are caps on how much they can increase? Um, ex- exactly as you say. So new 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 tenants coming in and they are willing to pay those those higher prices uh, within, within the market. And, you know, they could be and we're seeing quite a lot of international um, uh, new, new individuals coming in from a variety of different places around the world. And in relative terms, if you compare to some you know, other major glo- global gateway cities, Dubai isn't as expensive uh, as, as those other locations. So that that's why we are seeing it. Uh, there is actually quite a big difference in terms of how much people are renewing for in some of these areas compared to how much they're paying new rents uh, at. So, you know, that that premium can be 30-40% in some cases. Uh, so the in, in, a, in a large number of cases, those caps are there and they're working. This is obviously tricky for tenants, but that's only one side of the equation, isn't it? We are the business breakfast. A lot of our listeners are going to be landlords or would-be landlords. What does this mean for yields and then the desire to buy a rental property? Um, yields have increased quite rapidly. Uh, we've seen a, a few about uh, 20, uh, 0.2 to 0.3 percentage point increases in, in yields over the last last year. Um, so that'll increase the desire. And actually, prices are increasing much. Uh, sorry, rents are increasing much faster than prices. Uh, so you know, uh, acquiring property becomes a a lot, a lot more desirable. And actually, in, in certain market, uh, in certain sort of uh, market segments and communities, we're seeing that price growth is topping out as well. So. Um, now, if rents are increasing, a lot of landlords and potential to be landlords would, would look at that and go, actually, OK, maybe I will invest in this, particularly if you look at some of the supply demand dynamics. Or would be owner occupiers. I mean, Dubai traditionally has been a very tenant heavy market. Could these high rents bring about a sea change? 
We're definitely seeing that. I think we're trying to work out the numbers at the moment, but we think that we've seen a very, very significant increase in in, uh, in occupation uh, within Dubai. Uh, we we know that anecdotally that that we uh, that we've seen that. Um, and you know it makes sense. I think a lot of people is becoming incredibly. It's a bit. It's a lot less less transient than it than it was. And there's a lot more on offer. There's a lot more affordable stock on offer than there was, say, three four years ago. So people are actually you know much more willing to do that. And they they're pinning their long term future to Dubai. So what does it mean in the short to to medium term? Because if you are a tenant, it is a bit scary. It's 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 frothy. How long are you guys predicting this to last? We we don't see rents going down on average, but they will they will rise less quickly. Uh, so look, in, in in you know get asked this question quite a lot, but we don't see rents going down. I think there's things which will happen where certain communities where you know people will have to move further uh, out, uh, look at sort of uh, new uh, and upcoming communities which are more affordable, and that is that that is the reality of it. What does that mean for the? shape of the the city in terms of the the sprawl the geography it'll be you know we're going to see movement uh, outwards and we have done so you know the likes of dubai hills estate have done incredibly well uh particularly sort of dubai uh, dubai hills in itself a uh, great community and as these communities become more mature people are much more willing to move out there uh, as well so we, we will see people moving further out in a variety of different directions and Tom khan is head of research for the mina region at cbre thank you very much for your time this morning thank you this is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Where we are this morning discussing uh, our big story of the day. Those numbers from CBRE, a 28.5% increase in rents in Dubai in 2022. We're asking now, if rents are going up, does that mean we're moving? Who needs a house out in Hackensack? Is that all you get for your money? And it seems such a waste of time. Are we moving out? Rick McIntyre is the owner of the moving company MacPack Dubai. Joining us on the line now, Rick, good morning. How are you? Hey, Brandy, how's things? Good, mate. How are things with you? How busy are you? Yeah, we're inundated. We're up 50% on inquiries from last year. Um, it's been a busy last 15 months, uh, but but we're at uh, overflow point right now to the point where we, we have to take on more crew, um, but we're at maximum capacity and uh, and what we're doing, unfortunately, is, is just turning more business away at the moment. But yeah, we're busy. How busy would you normally be at this time of year? Is this unusual? It's semi-seasonal. Um, so it's a quieter time of year now. So so January, February, March is the quietest time of year. Then we get really busy. So the hotter it gets, the busier moving gets in, in the city. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really busy at the moment. And the, these, uh, these are massive amount of inquiries come in every day. Can you quantify it for me? Can you give me an idea of how much busier you are? So we're at maximum in terms of what we can move, but inquiries are up 50%. Why are people moving? I know you're chatty, Rick. What are people telling you? <laughs> yeah, look, so you're talking about 28%. We don't see that. We see significantly more uh, rent increases than that. So we we talk to our clients all the time. Um, our typical clients are people who may be moving from Dubai Hills. Um, they're currently paying 
I'll make this up, but let's say 165, 170,000. Um, they're, they're telling me rents are going to 280, 300. Um, and those guys haven't got the, the, the appetite or energy to try and fight that. And I know that these, these platforms to do that, but they're not doing it. So that they're making a decision that's easier to move. So we're picking up that business. Uh, Jumeirah Golf Estates, 350, beautiful villas, uh, but they're going 600, 700 plus. And we we talk to these clients and, and they shrug their shoulders and, and, and they move and we move them. Are you seeing people downsizing? What are you seeing people move from and to? Yeah, it's really interesting what's happening. So people often pay, they move in, they're paying more rent, but it's a downsize. So for example, they might go from Dubai Hills four bed um, and they might move to Mera three bed um, and they might pay more rent for that. So they, they're, they're getting a smaller house, but paying more rent. Um, or it might be Mera in a, in a three bed, but they're moving across the road to town square and their rents will stay the same or even go up slightly for a significantly smaller property. What about the distances that you are moving people? Are you seeing an increase? Are people moving out further? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Damak Hills 2 is really popular now, and that was always very much the outskirts of the city. It's a really popular community. Um, we're moving a lot of clients there. Dubai South is now very popular, whereas these communities, uh, we, we weren't busy moving people to these, to these communities uh, 18 months ago. In the conversations that you are having, we're trying to figure out whether or not we're seeing more eviction notices than normal for landlords moving in or, or selling. What are you hearing? Look, there's lots of different markets happening. So we catch different types of business. So, so yeah, people people are moving because of the rent increase, but also people are purchasing as well, right? And so um, people are selling because they get offered uh, money they can't turn down. People are purchasing because they want to try and control the, the madness. <laughs> they don't want to, to have to have the, the difficult discussion every year with the landlord, so they just purchase uh, if they're in a, in a position to do that. Um, we're also getting, obviously, imports as well from overseas, that, so our, our, our imports are up as well. That import thing is interesting. How many people are you moving, I mean, percentage-wise? What's current residents that you're moving from A to B, and uh, what are new people who are who are coming in who you're dealing with those containers? Okay, so so people moving into town, these these these. these two different groups. These people that move their whole household in containers, we catch that business and we're significantly up, like to the tune of 75%. And then there's other people that move to town and a lot of people move to town, probably like you and I many years ago with three suitcases and a box. Those That's still happening. Um, we don't catch that business, obviously. Because you don't need a van for your three suitcases and a box. No, you don't. You don't need a taxi from the airport. Uh, this is not your first rodeo, Rick. You've been running um, MacPack for more than a decade. What do you generally see in terms of how these booms and busts in, in rent rises smooth out? What's the, the lag like on the curve? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm expecting it to, to, to drop again. And, and the beauty of my business... Uh, if you can call my business beautiful, is uh, is we'll catch the business on the other side as well. So if, if rents go up, we we people move. If rents go down, people move. Um, and so I, I'm expecting rents to. I don't think it's sustainable. Look, I'm I'm no economist. I just move people. 
but um, I expect rents to drop again. Like like in 2013, where rents pumped up significantly, they dropped again in 2014, 2015, and, and, and people moved again as a result of that as well. I'm expecting to see the same sort of uh, trend. Rick McIntyre is the owner of The Moving Company. Mac Pack Dubai. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Where we are looking at the rental market. Yep, heard a little bit earlier on, didn't we, from CBRE. They said average rents have grown by 28.5% in the last 12 months to January of this year. Dubai's highest rental growth on record. At the same period, average apartment rents have grown by 28.8% and the average villa rents by 26.1%. Really? That's what Timer from CBRE said. Time now for us to touch base with our friends from Hauser. Sarah Hewardine is the head of marketing from Hauser. Good morning to you. Nice to see you nice this morning. You. Thanks for joining us. Um, you were listening on intently to those CBRE numbers, I put it to you, Monsieur Adin. Do you concur? I do, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, rents have increased uh, dramatically, really, on the rent and villa side, but I think on the apartment and villa side. But I do think you need to look at different sub-segments of the market. It's very hard to generalise and put everyone into one category. So we see a lot of fluctuations depending on the community. Why? Seems to be a question coming from a lot of listeners this morning. We have an organisation called RERA that was established to prevent these extraordinary inflationary rises in rents and costs as well. Why are we seeing these extraordinary rises? So I think you've got to remember that you have got the rent renewals, but you also have new Ajari contracts as well. And because we've had, you know, increase in population, more Ajari registrations happening, a lot of the numbers you're seeing and, you know, over the 20%, which is over the threshold of RERA, are a lot of the new contracts. So you definitely have that. On top of that, you have got some tenants that are coming to an understanding with their landlord to sometimes go a little bit above the RERA calculator just to stay put. What's going on with regards to supply as well of rental units here? Are we seeing more come into the market and is that having an impact? So we're seeing definitely seen a slight increase on housing and the number of properties. What we've actually seen is the length of listings on time, uh, online. So, for example, the average rental listing is online for around 65 days. Over the summer periods, that definitely increases. You think 65 days is a long time. You've got to remember the variations of stock. And yes, some turnover in 10 days, but definitely there are some that are on the market longer. But what we've seen is small but an 8% increase in the length of time online so and an 8% uh, increase in the time online so we've definitely noticed that listings are staying online a little bit longer and that's also reflected what we see on the ground so for example a lot of uh, agents now are seeing instead of just one or two units available in a building they're seeing tenants have the option to view three or four and they have the ability to not sign on the dotted line on the day but they've got a couple of days to see the other units and at times negotiate with the landlord so there's definitely a bit more power switching back to the tenant. And this ain't new. I mean, we have been talking about eviction notices for over a year now as well, such as being the buoyancy of the market, such as being the feeding frenzy in the market as well. Is that also, we're starting to see that sort of come full circle, the the evictions that have been put in place 12 months ago coming full circle? Yeah, exactly that. And I think we've got to remember, evictions can only happen under a few circumstances. Like you can't evict someone to get a new tenant in. That happens. I know we'll cover that segment later. But we're definitely seeing a lot more people move around now. We've come to the end of those eviction notices and where they're moving and migrating to has changed. You know, there's not many people that are moving from Dubai Hills to Dubai Hills. They're moving further out. And I know you just covered this, like two places like Town Square. So we're seeing more activity a little bit further out where you can get a little bit more bang for your buck. 
Uh, where are we seeing the, the largest growth? I know you monitor sort of every area around town. Where are we seeing, again, with regards to rental, where's where's the biggest rises? So rental rises, the biggest ones on the apartment side. You look at downtown, you look at Palm Jumeirah, you look at places like Dubai Hills. Um, if you were to look at, now this is why I think it's important to also understand the numbers, is if you look at these huge rental increases and you see some, you know, you see like an 80% increase in downtown Dubai, for example, that's for two bedroom apartments. But you've got to remember that new stock comes in and people pay a premium for that new stock. So you've got to be careful on where you look in terms of the rental increases. So for example, Palm Jumeirah Apartments, if you look at it as a whole, it's up by around 60% year on year, which is huge. However, let's just take Shoreline. Shoreline, it's uh, quite a lot of supply there. We're up about 35% on prices for Shoreline. But you've got to also remember that's year on year. The year before it was 15%. So these prices since COVID have just continued to increase. But from a portal, when I look at Hauser and I look at how the prices are performing now, we're starting to see a few, quite a few more price drops in mm. the rental properties. Long-term rental tenants here in the UAE. Uh, for a long time, the UAE or certainly Dubai has been seen as something of a transient nature. You come in, do a couple of years, move on, etc. So why buy property? You know, might as well rent, make the most of it whilst you're here. Is that changing? Are people being pushed down the sales route now? Yeah, definitely. And I think I, I was always curious to know how many of, you know, end users would end up buying because of the increase in prices. You know, you, you I look at the data, I look at the charts. We've got hockey sticks in, in some communities. And I think that you... <laughs> you know, how end users perceive that. But I think because people are happy to stay here longer, they feel more at home, children are well-educated, they're happy to buy and invest into Dubai. And I think what you have definitely seen is people that have been served those eviction notices move into the sales market then. And I think now what we're seeing is because we've had that migration into the sales market, it is opening up a little bit more supply now in the rental market. I appreciate that you've answered some of these questions already, but I just feel uh, emboldened to to ask some of the questions that have been put by uh, our listeners, because so many coming through this morning on this one. So Bob was uh, early at the, do- at the, the, the traps this morning saying, uh, how on earth do residential rents rise by 28% if the law only permits, permits a 10% annual rise? Or is my information out of date on that? And I think that final bit of that question is the most key thing there. Are we seeing an evolution there? Yeah, so technically a landlord can increase up to 20% depending on the price increase of the unit. So yes, they're increasing by 26, 27%. These are the new um, uh, tenancies are pushing up the average rental prices. So there's, you can go to RERA, you can look at different price increases that a landlord can implement. They are going to change. We've had that announcement in the next few months. So the RERA calculator will change. It won't be the prices we see now. They're going to focus more on a building level because of the fluctuations you see from a new build to a building that's maybe 10 years old. The rear calculator can be outdated at times and they are very aware of that and that will be updated. So right now it hasn't, but it is going to come. Steve asks a very similar question to that. And again, uh, forgive me if you've answered this one already, but just to address Steve's specific question. Uh, morning, guys. I've got a question for Howes. Uh, what's happened to Rera? I thought this was to control crazy rent rises. That's what Steve says. I know that we've addressed it to a certain degree, but I can I can understand the frustration of a lot of people out there, especially when it comes to yeah, yeah, I do. I definitely understand the frustration. And I think that it's there's a lot of landlords out there and owners that are trying their luck. <laughs> they are because when you've you've got somebody next door that's earning maybe another 50, 70,000 dirham, you're going to try and push people above the 20%. And that's why eviction notices have, have been served. And I think this probably, you know, 
pushes us quite well into the next segment in the sense that that has happened and landlords haven't abided by the law and abided by RERA. So what we are seeing is more tenants now turning around to their landlords saying, you weren't allowed a new tenant in that property because you evicted me, but you've now gone and done that. And that's why you're seeing more court cases come about uh, and using you know, the legalities around RERA to protect themselves and earn back off the losses they may have incurred. We're being very careful what we say here in the studio because we know that there is a uh, legal mind listening on <laughs> intently in the green room at the moment to give her thoughts in a few moments' time. Uh, just to uh, Brandy's point a little earlier on, fear of missing out. Is there anything of that going on with landlords at the moment? You say trying their luck. Brandy said FOMO. Is there this sort of keeping up the Joneses thing going on? I think so, yeah. I think with landlords, they, you, you know, you, it's an investment at the end of the day and you want to make sure you get the best return on your investment. And I think that a lot of the landlords are definitely trying their luck. And I think that we have to remember that, yeah, this market serves you well right now, but maybe give it 12, 18, 24 months, things may soften. I think you've got to be careful on how you treat your tenants, the relationship you have with your tenants and having a good tenant that pays their rent on time, who is, yeah, an easy tenant goes a long way. And I think landlords do need to remember that as well. Sarah, thanks for your time this morning. Lovely to see you as always. Thank you for to you and all the team from Hauser. And it doesn't end there because Sarah uh, gives up the seat for legal advice in just a few moments' time. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Yeah, we are putting the advice into property advice this morning. We have a lawyer in the studio for you, Rita Ayoub, associate at BSA Law, uh, taking... All of the questions that we've got flooding in uh, when it comes to rent increases, what's okay and what's not okay on the back of that CBRE report. Rita, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you. How busy are you with this at the moment? Well, now we are we are very busy as compared to previous years. We are seeing a lot of disputes being initiated by either landlords or uh, or tenants. What's the main crux of dispute? What's 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 the kind of getting to the nub of what's happening? So now we have from one side the, the landlords that are mainly investors. They invested in the real estate market and they're looking to make a good return on their investment. So they're taking advantage of the good market conditions and are requesting increase uh, increase in rent. And at the same time, we have the tenants that are uh, trying to fight back and because uh, the salaries are not following and they're trying to fight that high high increase in rent so that's one thing and we also have a lot of eviction notices that are being served from the side of the landlords and at the same time tenants are trying to uh, avoid being kicked out of their houses because sometimes eviction notices are not uh, based on legitimate grounds all right so much to dig into there um and what you've said is entirely lining up with what people um are asking you for advice about this morning if i kind of roll a lot of the questions that we're getting about rent rises into one general um, question. People are, are asking, I'm being asked for more rent than the the rental index says. What generally can I do? Can my landlord actually do this? Sarah has actually tackled this before. Yeah, it's going to be uh, updated in, in, in a short period of time. But um, to be fair, now the, the Dubai Land Department and the Rio are being fair they are trying to find reasonable uh, reasonable solutions, a middle ground between the tenant and and the landlord. So now they had this feature, added this feature to in which where you can put your HR number and evaluate your property standalone, not compared to other properties that are not being renovated, for example, in the same area, the same building, which is good for both. It's a, it's a middle ground for both. But yes, we are seeing landlords that are asking for an increase way above the the RERA. But 
also tenants they have a lot of options not to not to pay that increase beyond beyond the permitted percentage. So what does a tenant do if they say Rera says ten percent and the landlord says nope I want twenty thirty forty. So what in happens? that case they can go to the rental dispute committee and they can um, they can file a claim and deposit the amount maximum permitted by um, by Rera. But in that case we have the. The landlord that will try to to fight back, he will take it to court and try to entertain I mean, a court uh, a court case. And this is when we are seeing the eviction eviction notices coming um, and asking the tenant to leave the property twelve month twelve months in advance. Yeah, and we're going to get into eviction notice with you just after nine o'clock. But we're being asked this morning to also look at it from the landlord's point of view. Here's one message. I'm a landlord. My tenant's not willing to increase the rent even up to the rarer level. What options do I have? In that case, the landlord can initiate an action with the RDC, with the Rental Dispute Committee, and uh, request that uh, that increase. And in that case, the, we are seeing courts and precedents that are taking into account that at the same time, investors, they, the whole purpose of their investment is to make a good return on their investment. So the least they can do is get, get increase the rent for up to the level of the per- permitted percentage. What kind of time frame are we talking about for these disputes to be dealt with? The disputes are being uh, held with SWIFT. They depend from a case to another. Uh, it can take uh, two months. It can take a month for sometimes. But then you have recourses to, to 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 appeal and then to object to the court decision. So it may take a bit longer sometimes. We are getting a number of people um, messaging in, surprisingly, saying, "Can my landlord evict me via WhatsApp?" Eviction notices should be sent um, in writing and via a notary public, so they should be notarized. As compared to uh, the request to increase the rent, they can be only in writing, they can be via email, not necessarily notarized. Right. Does a WhatsApp count as a legal document for that? No. For eviction notices, no. It should be notarized. So the document should be uh, notarized before a notary public. But for the increase in rent, Courts are taking WhatsApp notifications as um, as a way to, to notify the rent increase, preferably by email or uh, preferably by email, but we are seeing courts that are accepting it as a written notification. Um, we're getting other questions from people saying, what happens if the tenant just says, I'm not going to move? I mean, in that case... If they're not going to move, the the, the landlord will have to initiate the action uh, before uh, the RDC. And then if after 12 months of the eviction notice, the tenant is still doesn't want to leave, then the police will have to, interv- have to inter- intervene in that case. We're getting an awful lot of questions for you um, about the eviction notices themselves and the genuine reasons for, for giving them. Can you just quickly talk me through the only reasons that you can get an eviction notice? And then after nine o'clock, we'll go into how they actually work. So there are several reasons based on which... Um, eviction can take place. There are some reasons uh, that are attributable to the tenant himself. So, for example, if the tenant is not paying his rent or the tenant is conducting a specific activity in the apartment other than the activity uh, agreed upon, then in that case, he can be evicted. But now we are really interested into um, the, the reasons attributable to the landlord himself. So they are mainly two. The re- when the landlord wants to sell the apartment or when the landlord wants to live in the apartment or a first-degree relative wants to live, provided that they don't have any other place to live in. So th- those two reasons are the main reasons 
uh, for eviction that we are seeing now. Let's look at the questions that we are getting in about eviction notices. Two reasons that a landlord can give you. One, he or his immediate family are going to move in or he's selling the property. A lot of people ask, what happens if it's just not true? Here is one no name on this. What happens if my landlord gives me an eviction notice claiming they want to sell, but then just puts it back on the rental market at a higher price? So in that case, the tenant can still go to court and uh, request for compensation. And um, the law provides for compensation for tenants. In that case, they can give them up to a year compensation in rent. And in case they, when they moved out, they had to rent another property that is much more expensive. They will also give them the difference in pricing between the old property and the new property. But that, <laughs> sorry. I was just saying that they have to prove that, that the landlord stayed in the apartment, didn't stay in the apartment and rented it out again. How do you prove that? I mean, how much time does a landlord actually get to to sell a property? What happens if it, it hasn't sold? How do you prove that this was their intention in the first place? Uh, you can do that using Ajari. If you if you follow up on Ajari, you can see if it had been rented again. And then um, the landlord has can can rent it again if the reason was he wants we wanted to stay in the apartment. He had two years to be able to rent it out again after he has served the notice. What do you mean by two years? Two years after serving the notice that he will be staying in the apartment. After that, he will be able to rent out the property again. So he's got a two-year ban, a two-year block effectively on renting it out. Um, Again, questions on the landlord's side. What if plans change? What if you were looking to sell, but your own financial or family family circumstances change? Usually, when when you serve a notice that you want to sell the property, then you have a serious offer that is that you are ready to sign. This is when you ask your tenant to evict. So that's that's how how it usually works. When you have a serious offer and uh, there is a new buyer, this is when you inform the tenant to leave, not if you are willing to uh, to sell. But a lot of the notices that are coming in at the the moment are because people are looking to sell. And because there are so many end users looking to buy at the moment, an empty property is a more attractive property. So I know of people who are getting notices to evict six, seven, eight months before their rent is uh, is is even up so that that property would be vacant. Is that legal? Usually eviction notices should be served 12 months in advance. So that's as per the law. What happens if your eviction notice, as you say, the 12 months, but you've only got six months left on your lease? Are you signing a lease then for a half year? It should be 12 months, even if even after the expiry of the of the rent. So if you, for example, get your notice in January, your rent's up in October, but that 12 month period is till next January. January. What happens in October? Then you will stay until, I mean, usually in those cases, we reach an agreement with, uh, but there's an agreement that is reached between the landlord and the tenant. But if not, then the tenant is, has the right to stay for the 12, for the full 12 months. Is there a bit of a, a gap here where if you move out and your landlord doesn't sell or, or move in, you've already made your plans, you've already found somewhere new to live, you've moved the kids, you've moved the dog, you've put down a year's worth of, of rent checks. You're not moving back, are you? To the, to the property? Yes. Yes, of course. Um, so in that, in that case, because I understand that the landlord has to give the first right of refusal to move back into the old tenant, am I right? If, if they decide that they need to rent it out again, they can't move in for one reason or another. If they don't want to re- move back into the property? Yeah. 
if if a landlord's we're getting messages from both landlords and from tenants yep. this morning. So if a landlord's own plans change and all of a sudden they they can't move back into the property, something's changed with their jobs or their family, kids' school, what whatever it, it is, can they get around the the two year ban by offering the property back to the original tenant? They can do that, and then it's up to the tenant to decide whether he wants to move in again or not. But this is that will be helpful if a case has ever been initiated by the tenant. It shows the good faith of, of the landlord. But then it's up to the tenant to decide if he wants to move back or no. Uh, we've also got a question about who needs to be serving the uh, the notice to evict. Is it the original landlord who owns the property? There's some question about whether the new landlord, whether she would need to serve you as well. It's the first, it's the original landlord. As soon as the, the original landlord has served the tenant to move out, then the new landlord doesn't have to do that again. And if the original landlord hasn't served, you've effectively bought a property that has a tenant in it? Then it will be the the lease will be transmitted to the new to the new landlord, and the landlord has all the right. The new landlord has all the right to serve a notice if he wants you to evict the property. But the original landlord serving notice, that notice is going to to stand even though the property has changed hands. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Rita Ayub is an associate at BSA Law, going through uh, what the law says about eviction notices. Uh, one last quick question that's just come in is about costs. I'm going to throw at you. People are saying, "How much does all of this cost?" A notarized uh, a notice to 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 evict somebody. How much are people actually going to incur to put this in motion? So it depends. There are the legal fees, there are the court fees, and there are the notarization fees. It depends. The legal fees depends from an office to another. But then uh, the court fees, it's a percentage on uh, on the rent. And then notarization, they can be around 1,500 dirham. 1,000 dirham. Well, thank That's you so much, Rita. Uh, Rita Ayub, Associate of BSA Law. More on this to come this morning. We are going to hear from Tamakhan, the head of research for this region at CBRE, the guys who did the original research that has set this discussion in motion. They might have put the numbers on it, but it is certainly something uh, that people were already talking about. It's very much uh, been the, uh, the office conversation, the dinner party conversation. Isn't it, Tom? Everyone's talking about it. Loads of questions coming through. Thank you very much indeed to all of you for the questions that have been coming in. I obviously haven't had enough time to get to each and every one of those questions, but I hope we've answered the majority of the topics that have been addressed in those questions. Thank you uh, to you all for those. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.